there. Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson. I'm here to dish out practical advice to help you elevate your business and your life. I'm the CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services here in Nashville, Tennessee. So you know we're going to be covering ground in the real estate industry. But you'll also be hearing from expert leaders in the personal development and entrepreneurship communities. So pull up a seat because we're about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. We are so excited today to have Jane Allen, who is the CEO of the Entrepreneurial Center of Nashville, Tennessee. Jane, welcome. Thank you. So happy you're here. My pleasure. So in reality, what Heather and I really want to talk to you about today are your handbags. Yes, please. So we've we've done some research (laughs) on you. You have amazing handbags. Thank you. <laughs> Followed yes. on Instagram, saw yes. all the designs, and fell in love. Well, thank you. Yes. That's exciting. <laughs> so, so you're like the true entrepreneur. I am a true entrepreneur. Tell us just a bit about yourself. Well, oh gosh, I started as a school teacher. Uh, I went that. to law school, and I was a lawyer, and then um, we started a company in 2000 called Council on Call. And the impetus was so many women were leaving the profession and thought there is an amazing talent pool that didn't feel valued. And at the same time, I thought we have a variable client base and a static hiring base. And I would love to get some of that talent to work for my clients and myself. And um, little did I know, it would just take off and be throughout U.S. and overseas a bit. And then ended up exiting the company as a lawyer, I'd represented enough companies where the entrepreneur sometimes holds on too long, mm-hmm. and I never wanted to be that person. And I loved to go in and work with clients to help solve problems. And we had gotten to the point, it was about scaling, it was about productization. And I understood that, but that doesn't get me jazzed up every day and get me on an airplane at four in the morning. So it was time. And so we sold and brought in an amazing leader, Barry Dark, who continued to grow the company to where we were in 32 countries until we just had our final exit last month. But after exiting, you know, I always said I was sort of in the uh, promised land or not the promised, the, you know, waiting for the burning bush. I was in the wilderness. <laughs> in the desert. In, in the, the desert, in the wilderness, just like, okay, now what's my purpose? I mean, I knew what I did every day with counsel on call. I knew, you know, my kids were getting older and... Um, and lo and behold, received a phone call about the Entrepreneur Center. And I had been fortunate enough to be in a position to donate to the Entrepreneur Center as a nonprofit here in our community as the front door for entrepreneurship, but had never really been that involved. And so decided, you know, maybe I can leave it a little better than I find it and hopefully help make a positive difference in Nashville and the entrepreneurial community. So I jumped in to do that. In between, while I was in the wilderness, My sister and I started Hannah Clark, which is the handbag company. And it really was from 10 years of traveling continuously, I wanted a handbag that I could not find and looked and couldn't find one that stayed on the shoulder and I would be going through airports and I needed to have my hands free 
or they would have heavy chains that would cut into my shoulder and my hair would get tangled in it, or I would set it down on a conference table and it would have grommets on the bottom that made loud clicks, or I would sit it down and it would fall over, or it looked like a man's briefcase. And I'm like, I want feminine and I want professional and I want the bag to reflect what I try to do each and every day and just you know, hunted and hunted. My sister is a definite shopper and she had looked even in Europe and we could not find the bag. So she was the first female dean of the University of Georgia Law School. And she had retired about the same time that we had exited. And so it was a walk on the beach, which all good things come from walks on the beach. Absolutely. And it was a walk on the beach. I'm like, you know what, why don't we just design and manufacture that handbag that we've been dreaming about for all these years? And so that was really that simple. And so from then it just sort of So we could do a whole podcast on this because I'm just so curious in doing that. Did you like, how did you source your leather and how Mm -hmm. did you source your, the people who stitched it and made Mm -hmm. them? Well, it really started with the design in my brain and drawing it out and then found a woman that I go to church with who was willing to make my prototype. The challenge was sewing with leather and finding the right leather because Mm -hmm. I knew the visualization, I think for my sister and myself both, because we are genetically very similar, um, (laughs) was a real pale pink leather. And so we went out to LA, we went and looked at all of the marts and tried to find, and we really couldn't find what we wanted. And so finally looked overseas and found a distributor out of England of Italian leather. And so, you know, it went from Italy to England to the U.S. And then the same on the Sew House searched here, Atlanta, my sister's in Athens, Georgia, and Atlanta. And so we searched everywhere in the Southeast and really couldn't find the quality. Um, Not saying it didn't exist. We just couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. And so a woman, you know, I just believe in these um, little you know, coincidences or not. But a woman told us about a sew house that does Bergdorf Bergdorf Goodman's work and that she doesn't insist on making thousands. And she was in LA. And so went out and met with her and her sew house and gave her our designs. And she took it from there. And so, you know, it now it was two years in the making. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. as simple. And there were definite times where like, and what am I doing? Um, You know, but it definitely was being able to take a vision and bring it all the way through the reality and having the quality of the leather and the lightness of the bag and everything that we had dreamt actually come true. So I thought if nothing else, it shows my children that, you know, you can do whatever you, you put your mind anything. to. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and we did it and, you know, very limited it didn't cost a lot of money. It just took a lot of time to actually find. I mean, I met with a leathersmith down in Franklin, Tennessee and went in and it was, you know, two men with long beards and overalls and they were working in their back garage and, Mm. you know, they basically laughed at me. But I actually learned because he basically said, you're not going to find the quality you're looking for in this area. I can do, you know, I can do saddles. (laughs) I can do other things, but the quality you're looking for, I can make one for you, but how are you going to get a mass produced? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so you're not going to find that in this area. And I believed him. And so it really was then, okay, now what? Um, And then my sister conscious, like, I just met someone and she actually has a sew house out in LA that she works with because we wanted it made in the States. And so, um, you know, just put together the pieces. The braids were the key. Mm -hmm. Um, And because for them to stay 
on the shoulder and be lightweight. And those are hand done. And so we found artists out in LA and it was really just going to the different fabric leather suppliers and asking and describing what we were looking for. And they put us in touch with somebody who put us in touch with somebody. And so, yes, so that's how it's done. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That was, <laughs> and that she is, walked in with her bag. Yeah, she walked in with her bag. Yes, yeah. I carry yeah. it. I mean, honestly, it's the only bag. I love it. And my poor pink one, it's going on five years old. And it, I don't take care. I mean, I take it to ball games. I throw them on the ground. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to get a new one. Yeah. Um, so yes, but I do. I've tried other bags and I just keep coming back. I love the Evelyn, which is the name of the bag that was the impetus for the company. And it is truly my favorite bag, even though we have others, but it's the one I carry. Well, when we were looking at the site and um, that pale pink was, my, I said, oh, I need to get one of those. Mm-hmm. They're so pretty. Thank you. So pretty. Thank you. But now onto the meat of the Entrepreneur yes, Center. Exactly. <laughs> Why Jane's really here, but we were just so fascinated by, by your detour. Yes. And most and people don't know about it. So that's what it sort of took me off guard. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. So tell us about the Entrepreneur Center. Our podcast, it's primarily real estate and real estate related, but a lot about entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurial spirit, the whole nine yards. So we Mm -hmm. just thought you'd be the perfect guest with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we're dying for our listeners to hear about it. Yeah. Well, the Entrepreneur Center, I mean, I... I always called Nashville the best kept secret. I think the secret has gotten out, yeah. as yeah. you all have experienced. And I say one thing that makes Nashville so special is the entrepreneurship that's through the DNA of this city. And everybody knows about the Fress family or the Ingram family, but there's hundreds of people in our community who have been very successful, mm-hmm. who have had the drive and the ambition and the courage to start something. And a lot of people have no idea who they are. Mm-hmm. And so the Entrepreneur Center oh gosh, probably 12 years ago, a group of business people and the Chamber of Commerce decided that the city really needed a front door for entrepreneurship. And so they created this nonprofit and it was intentionally created as a nonprofit. There's a lot of, I mean, now entrepreneurship is so popular. Back then it really wasn't. So they were somewhat ahead of their time and they created it so that there is a front door for entrepreneurship. And uh, Michael Burcham was the first CEO and he was a healthcare entrepreneur. And so quite frankly, I always assumed the Entrepreneur Center was a healthcare um, (laughs) incubator. incubator. mm -hmm. And then as it moved forward, probably in about 2017, they started an individual giving society called the McCorder Circle because Clayton McCorder was the first chairman of the Entrepreneur Center. And I would say, well, but Clayton isn't, I mean, he worked for HCA, Mm -hmm. but what Clayton really did was fund so many entrepreneurs in our community. And it does take, you know, it takes the entrepreneur, it takes money and it takes customers. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, um, so we have the McCorder Circle. So I got really into quote unquote, the Entrepreneur Center by giving through the Individual Giving Society and then started meeting people that were on the board and realized, oh my God, I know Beth Chase, I know Linda Reverbeck. You know, it was like, I know all these people and I respect them. And um, and so what it really is, since I've come on board, which would be October 21st, 2019, three months before the world shut down. That, that was going to be one of my, kind of my questions. I'm yeah. like, we'll get to that yeah. vote because I was fascinated by the But when that came frame. on board, it was, so what does it do? <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and so, you know, my first, and I always say, you would think I'd know a pandemic was coming because in the first 
90 days, I met with every 300 people in our community. What is the purpose of this organization? What was the original intent? I mean, being a lawyer, I went back and read every board meeting, every document. Um, And then what's its purpose today, 2020 moving forward? And realize it's not the startup center, it's actually the entrepreneur center. And we are here to support the entrepreneurial community, which is connecting entrepreneurs to the resources they need to increase their probability of success. Hmm. So in a nutshell, that's what we do, but it's a lot more. I was going to say a lot more. Your website is very impressive. Thank you. And you have your portfolio mm-hmm. piece of it. Tell us about the portfolio. Are those the companies that y'all have helped or mm-hmm. or that they're giving back? No, those are companies that have actually come through our programs that have worked with the Entrepreneur Center and that we are, or in some that we are currently working with. And so, you know, my my one and only hire before the world shut down was a head of marketing and communications. Because again, I'm like, no one really knows what this place is yeah. or what we've done or who we work with. And we've got some amazing entrepreneurs. And so it really was. So I appreciate that feedback and I can't wait to let Angel May know because that was part of it is, you know, let's let people know the companies that we have worked with or work with now. Well, I loved seeing it because it it was just such a broad brush. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a ton of healthcare and the music and entertainment. I'm going, ah, I've never thought, because I I think of different things sometimes in entrepreneurship. So y'all have an amazing array, if you will. Well, and even like our next awards, which is our largest fundraiser of the year. And this, um, and so when I came in, it was fine. But I was like, you know what, as an entrepreneur, if I'm really going to take an evening away from my family, I want it to be something spectacular and elevate and celebrate the entrepreneurial spirit of our community. And Sherry and Mark Deutschman were my chairs who completely epitomized that. And then Linda Rubervec is our development chair. So they all, you know, we were all on the same page. And so, but this past year, we had a real estate section Mm -hmm. because real estate is so important to Nashville. And your entrepreneurs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, again, just trying to make sure that we do show Nashville as more, not that we don't love healthcare, but we're so much more than healthcare. And it's a lot more complex. And it's getting more complex every day by the different businesses that are being started and or relocating here. And I want to give you props to the next awards this year. It was so much fun. I I went to that. Oh, wonderful. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I'm on the advisory board at Studio Bank, Mm -hmm. who's also one of our sponsors for the podcast and sat with, you know, they were nominated. Exactly. And just, that was the first one I'd been to. And it was lovely. I loved how Sherry's like, we're stepping this up to a black tie event. And it was a blast. Well, good. Thank you. No, it was, I mean, it was really interesting. As soon as it was done, we had our sponsors calling saying, we want next year. And so it's actually October 24th. We're doing it at the Symphony Center. Mary or Sherry and Mark are again. Back on board. Back on board. Linda's back on board. And it's like, if something's working, why break it? And it was just such, and we had people that have never been to the Symphony Center and, you know, just listening and seeing it through their eyes. And then at the same time, people that were there and helped build the Symphony Center and listening to their feedback. We actually met with the Miss McKissick's family yesterday and they were just talking about what an amazing experience and event it was. Wonderful. Yes. Awesome. Yes. All right. So we have the entrepreneurs and then the people who have their startup, their ideas. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're the startup and your idea. Do we go through classes at the Entrepreneur Center or what, what would that look like for someone who's very new to the Entrepreneur Center? Sure. Well, what we do is 
you know, when I came in trying to figure out where do we play. Mm-hmm. And so my predecessor had spent time trying to understand all the different organizations in our community that work with entrepreneurs. Because again, we want to be a front door, but that doesn't mean we are all things to all people. And we don't want to create confusion and we don't want to duplicate because it's, you know, we're a nonprofit mm-hmm. and we want to make maximize our resources. So if somebody has an idea and they contact the Entrepreneur Center, we will meet with them and we may not be the place for them, but we could direct them to the place for them. Typically, our programs start with, I've got a business, but I'm trying to figure out whether it's a hobby or a business. Let's take the purse business. You know, am I really? <laughs> perfect example. Perfect example. Um, but it really is, am I really going to quit my day job? And what does that entail? Because you meet so many people who have gotten so caught up in Shark Tank or, oh, it's so easy. And so we try to take the rose-colored glasses off for a little while and let you know how hard it really is Mm -hmm. and make sure people go in eyes wide open and then also work with them on what is your business plan? Are you going to try to raise money? You know, how are you going to fund it? How are you going to get a line of credit at the bank? You know, or is it something that you're going to try to get grants for? I mean, just work through the money side of it as well as the emotional and professional side of it. And then what is your differentiator? Why are you in business? And Jim McKelvey, who started Square, talks about inside the wall and outside the wall. Are Mm. you creating something inside the wall, which means you're doing something and just making it a little different and better? Mm -hmm. Or are you doing something like what we did with Council on Call, which is outside the wall? It's never been done before. And then what does that road look like for you? So it really is a wonderful program. And it's pre-flight. It's offered three times a year. It's 14 weeks. And that's the entry point for the programs at the EC. Some people don't get through it because they realize, oh, dear God. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> no. a hobby. It's a hobby. <laughs> yes, it's a hobby. Um, yeah. And then, but a lot deal. And then once they graduate there, some, they've got their wings, but a lot continue on. And the real programming curriculum, um, that's all great. It really is our mentors or what advisors, people who have been there and done it. And so it's the, I call them phase four, which are people that have started businesses, have grown businesses and had successful exits, and they have time and money to pay it forward by giving back. And that was the original impetus of the EC Okay, is for successful business people and entrepreneurs to give time and money to help the next generation. Okay. okay. That was the original plan and to share the story of the Nashville Entrepreneur, which is why the podcast was started. Got it. Okay. But that was the original two um, tenets for starting this organization. And that still remains true today. But all we did when I came on board was come in and say, okay, we've got a community full of people like myself that I never knew I was welcome. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And so we've opened the door to invite them. And it's been fabulous because, you know, it's people that have been here for years, but it's also people that have relocated here from you know, Chicago or California or New York or, you know, they're successful entrepreneurs and they have come here and it's a way for them to meet their community immediately. So do you guys do, there's so many ways I want to, I've got a thousand questions going in my head right now Mm -hmm. with all the people relocating to Nashville. I mean, we see it in the business journal every day, people bring in their companies here, whether it's a small startup or Mm -hmm. something major. Mm -hmm. Do you guys do outreach when you hear about the companies or y'all in conjunction with the chamber to outreach to get the smaller company, or not smaller companies, but the entrepreneur 
entrepreneurial type companies engaged or do they find you? Typically, I mean, that's a great question, and it's an area we could definitely improve upon. Um, you know, through COVID, unfortunately, you know, I still believe in a balanced budget, so we had to do some budget cuts mm-hmm. in order to make sure we continue a balanced budget. And so as we're coming out of COVID, that is definitely one of the areas I think we can do better in, which is actually doing outreach and inviting people in instead of assuming people will find us. And we don't assume that, but it's just limited resources and and where do you target those resources. I know the Today Show actually had, if you're an entrepreneur moving to Nashville, the first stop should be the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. No idea how they knew about it. Yeah. But it was like, oh my gosh. That's Kathy Lee now that she lives here. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know, but someone. Um, But no, and I I mean, but I think that's actually true because there is a community. If you're an entrepreneur there is a community. Mm-hmm. And no matter what stage in the life cycle you're in, we have entrepreneurs in all four stages that you could come in and find your community. Hi, I'm Harry Allen, co-founder and chief relationship officer of Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what our members create, and we're here to support you through the process. We provide capital and services to build businesses. We offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. We work with artists to reach their audiences. We help nonprofits transform our community. And often, the most important work we do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. We're here because what you create matters. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 176-1767. So did you find during COVID, now we're basically two years in, and you were so new to this position. Mm -hmm. When I saw that it was 2019 when your predecessor had left, because time is just, is all screwed up now. It's like, what was that? Did you find more people were trying to find you guys during this time because they did have time to really start thinking about what their future looked like and what they wanted to do to give them purpose and joy? Um, I think it, it was a journey. You know, the reality is, again, very fortunate, have met with all of those people, had had a board retreat in February, set out our three to five year mission and vision. So we had our marching orders. We knew exactly what we needed to do. The good news is we're also on listservs with people all over the world. And so we saw this thing coming, mm-hmm. never dreamt the magnitude, but all of our programs went virtual. We did not miss a program. And for that matter, we expanded our program to any entrepreneur in the community. I mean, let's think back, what is a PPP? I mean, yeah. nobody had a clue. Yeah, right. And so, you know, calling Kevin Roddy or calling Will Cheek at Waller or any of the people that volunteer with the EC just calling saying, hey, will you put on a webinar and opening it up to the entire community so that the entrepreneurs in our community knew were a resource for them. No different than we shut down for those four weeks that everybody had to shut down. But we have people that get their mail and that means checks. And so we were there, you know, three times a week delivering mail to all of our members that have their P.O. boxes there. Then after it opened back up, we were a, you know, we met and decided we're a critical business because we have entrepreneurs that need the internet and they need a place to work because their kids have bombarded their home. Oh, wow. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, 
you know, they just, they have to have electricity because remember the tornado hit right before. Right. And so yeah. we have reached out to North Nashville and East Nashville and opened our doors to any entrepreneurs in those communities, even if that meant setting up picnic tables or folding tables for them to work on as they had lost everything. Because I'm like, you know, I don't care if you've lost your building, you still have to hit payroll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to get them electricity and internet and whatever else they need to be able to keep going. So we were open the whole time with the exception of that four week. So, but in the beginning, we're telling people cash is king, you know, keep your cash, keep your mm-hmm. cash, keep your cash. Well, cutting the expense of being, you know, housed at the EC, some did. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, we really, we had a waiting list for people to have a place to work before the pandemic. And we got down to about 50% capacity. And then it has continuously creeped up. And now we're at capacity again. And so that's the reason I'd say it's a journey. Yeah. Because I think people were numb the first three months. And so we did have people pivot to, oh, I'm going to make face masks. Oh, I'm going to make hand sanitizer, you know, and things like that. We actually, you know, how do we open and open safely? Mm-hmm. And so going through the CDC guidelines, working with the government, and then just putting it on our website, here is everything that we have chosen to do. Not saying this is, you know, as the lawyer, I'm not saying this is what you need to do. It's just here here's are resources and here are sites that we've gone to, or here's who we use to come in and do the deep cleaning every night because the expenses of that definitely went up. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we been pretty well steady Eddie and then as far as people coming to the pre-flight programs which is that early program we definitely have seen an uptick in people getting involved in that program so as as the pandemic has continued we now have more and more people in that program you've just given me an idea for real estate businesses because during COVID, everybody became a realtor. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were at home and, you know, looking at Zillow or real tracks, like, oh, I love houses. I love people. I'm going to do this. And we have that same conversation. It's like, it looks so glamorous and fun on the outside. But when you're crawling in a crawl space or you have contracts cratering with moving vans lined up in a domino effect, it can be very, it's hard. It's Stressful. a very hard business. Absolutely. It's hard to get involved in. I love just the idea of a pre-flight and and to weed people out. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know either. So at the EC, you rent out space to entrepreneurs so they can set up their office within... Yes. Your walls. Yes. We've half of our space. We have space that people rent out for events. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a large conference or a learning center. We have a boardroom and then we have meeting rooms. Then in the back part of the EC, it's open seating. And so you have people that will rent a chair. You have people that will rent a desk or you have people that will rent a half a bay. And it's extremely inexpensive, Mm -hmm. extremely inexpensive because it's subsidized through the generous donations of people that want to give to our community. And so I always say, I mean, what they pay doesn't cost two weeks of parking and they get free parking. They have space. So it really is a hand up for people that want to start. And then, you know, only thing, my big thing is you don't want to be there long term and we have to be real about margin because this isn't real real mm-hmm. right, <laughs> I mean, right this is subsidized housing yeah and yeah. it's not long term and so as you're you know doing your business and you're working your margins make sure your margins is built on real cost to be mm-hmm. have a business in Nashville mm-hmm. versus the EC cost right and you know just making sure we're educating 
those that are in our community. And so, and then once you have space and you're a member, and then we have lunch and learns, we have CEO discussions, we have events now, and, you know, and everyone's invited to those type of things. So it also is a community. So how do you become a member? You just ec.co. Or you can always email me, Jane Allen at EC, Jane period Allen at EC.co, and it's co.com. <laughs> Took me a while to figure that one out. Um, and, you know, but yeah. And then we just, and there's different types of membership. And so that's one thing that we've done is expand because you have some entrepreneurs in our community, they don't need to go through a year long program. Mm-hmm. I would have never gone through a year long program. I traveled all the time, but yeah. man, I would have paid to have access to a mentor yeah. and a mentor that understood where I was on that life cycle. I'm at 5 million and I'm stuck. How do I get to 15 million? Or I'm at 15 million and now what do I do? Right. Or <laughs> I'm at, 500,000 and can I even get to a million? I mean, it's just the the life cycle really is different, but we have mentors and advisors and, you know, we have what we would call technical, the lawyers, the accountants, the marketing experts, but we also have the phase four and very successful entrepreneurs who may not have the industry expertise, but have walked in your shoes. And then we have the industry experts. And so between the three, it really is, that's our differentiator. And people in this community, we have over 300 that give of their time to help these entrepreneurs. And so those that go through our programs, which are the year-long pros and grams, except for pre-flight, it's 84% are still employing people or have had successful exits. We have music and healthcare people apply from all over the world to get into. Significant number of those end up relocating to Nashville. And then we have our in-flight program, which is industry agnostic. But typically you have what you think would be a high-growth business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you would have multiple locations if you're a service business or, you know, something of that nature. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most entrepreneurs end game is the big sale, Mm -hmm. the big exit. Mm -hmm. So are there, is that part of the the classes you offer is how to prep your company to sell and love that you'd think yeah. I, because that that's our gap yeah and mm-hmm. so actually that's our 2022 plan is phase three oh okay. which are what is your secession plan uh-huh. mm-hmm. so we're going to have a you know not a class but a panel discussion on that one is what do you need to know about an exit probably two to four years before you exit. Mm -hmm. I mean, things I only wish we would have known long before, you know, three months before. And so that's what I do is truly listen to entrepreneurs in our community. And then I hear what they're wanting or needing and then go out and see if there's anything out there. And there might be some of those, but usually they're offered by people that want the work. Mm -hmm. And so instead we can bring three founders that have all had exits and they can talk about, God, hell, I wish I'd have known about that. Mm -hmm. Or we can talk about people on secession planning and the importance of secession planning and why that's important if you want to exit and who is your management team. You know, so again, that's our phase three group that we actually, that's the one area where we do have a gap that we're starting in 2022 to put together at least two, maybe three panel discussions around. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think I want to be a member. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to sign up today. Oh, please do. Please yeah. do. It really is. It's a, such a, I mean, last night we had, we had a healthcare for our project healthcare. They brought in a panel discussion and it was all about digital health because mm-hmm. that really is an industry where transformation is happening quickly as if music's not. I mean, they both are. But that this was a healthcare centered and Eric Threlkel runs Project Healthcare. But it was packed. And we actually had food and we had, 
you know, beverages. beverages yeah. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Because yeah. before the pandemic, that was at least one to two times a week. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a long time since I've had to wear a name tag. Yeah. Um, you know, because we've just always 50% or 20% or whatever the capacity numbers are. But it is, it's a vibrant community. And again, we are creating memberships for entrepreneurs like yourself and others so that you would, hey, I just need to talk to somebody on X. I had some woman say, I'm at 5 million and I'm stuck. Can I just talk to somebody? Of course. Yeah. You know, I had somebody else. All right, I'm a founder. I sold a PE. I stayed. Who else ever did that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let me let, you know, let's let you talk to blah, blah, blah. Right. So, you know, it really is just, but that's the beauty of Nashville. Is right. We are so, mm-hmm. everybody's wanting to take a phone call. It's funny. Sometimes I think, okay, what would it look like if I sold this company? Mm-hmm. And then I know how real estate sales work. When you sell a company, typically you're going to be staying because you're. It's a lot of goodwill and the independent contractors in the building, mm-hmm. and um, and then I think of working for somebody else, and it just makes me just die inside. And so it's like and, um, I just don't think I, you know. It's a funny thing to think about having to work for somebody. It is, and I think that's what for Greg and I with our company finding the right partner was key. Mm-hmm. And because I always said, I don't really need your money. No offense, but I need your expertise because I wanted our company. I wanted lawyers to be able to hire and practice the way we offered regardless of geographic location. Well, that means get out of the United States. And in order to go global, you need productization, scaling, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so it was the expertise that they could bring to get us to that next level and finding a partner that really understood our vision and our mission and who really believed in our, I mean, we had, you know, our clients and the level of service we provided to the clients. And, and so it really was finding the right partner because so many would come in and say, oh my God, you spend two hours with a lawyer. That's a ridiculous. You could spend 20 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes, your time is money. Or, you know, you get on a plane and go meet with a client. Yes. Um, you know, and, and so I understood. So for us, it really was finding the right partner. And we had Gridiron, which is a private equity firm out of Connecticut, and they were amazing. Now they've sold it. I am not on the board. I am not affiliated at all. And it just sort of makes me sick. But there's no control. Yeah. None. And even mm-hmm. when you sell to private equity, they're in control. We were just really fortunate to get an amazing partner that totally got the vision and got the level of service that we prided ourselves on providing. Right. So that would be my only thought of working for somebody else. It really is finding the person that totally aligns with your values and your mission. And if it if you can't, then you can't. Yeah, no loss. And no yeah. loss. Yeah. But if you can, watching what they've been able to do, not just for the company, but for the people in the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the people that came on and believed in us yeah. and worked with us and, and being able to help them elevate as well. And then, but like I said, now, unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever, um, <laughs> it's gone. And so, you know, but I think it was a nice transition period so that we were ready, um, even though the day it completely sold and I was no longer in any way affiliated. It was pretty, um, you know, mixed emotions. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sure it was your baby. I mean, for yeah, a long time. Absolutely. What, like 20 yeah. years, 18 years? Yeah. I mean, it was 2000. We sold to private equity in 2016. And I always said it was ready for college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, now I guess, you know. It's got its first big job. It's first big job. <laughs> yes, yeah. right. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so. 
Mm-hmm. And um, tell our listeners where the EC is located. Yes. Oh, we're so cool. You're um, so cool. So cool. Uh, it's um, and I can it. take no credit for that at all. <laughs> but we're in, I mean, I keep thinking, are you kidding? We actually have this uh, real estate, but we are in the trolley barns. And actually, Michael Burcham and the f- initial leadership team renovated the trolley barn community. And so we are in the trolley barns right down from Pinewood Social. So Pinewood's over on the river. We're the first one on that block. And so it's on Peabody Street. Peabody and Leah Mm -hmm. is our cross streets. I've been in um, the EC a handful of times for different events and whatnot. And it is. It's a gorgeous space. It's cool. It's funky. It's. I remember when they first started redeveloping down there, you know, nothing, I mean, Sobro was like, what, what is that? You know, well, I guess it's exactly. not really Sobro, but it's, it's the trolley barns. I Everyone don't know. Just I say yeah. it's the general hospital. Of trolley yeah. yeah. I it's mean, it's so love it. cool. And you're right on the river and you're right there at the Korean veterans bridge and you have the Titan stadium now. Mm-hmm. And no, it's just a fabulous location. Yeah. And I love it selfishly because I don't have to get into downtown. Yeah. And I can come around and get on off Second Avenue. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to get in, easy to get out. But yeah, I um it's a great location. Cool. Well, yeah. Jane, thank you so much thank for you. being with us today. We yes, you're just a wealth you. of information. I learned a ton of new tidbits like I do every time on this show. So um so everybody listening, um, Jane, give us your uh, website again. Yes, it's www period, EC, period, dot co, or I guess, period, co, co, and then Jane, period, Allen at EC, dot co. Yes. And then we'll have all that in our show notes too. Perfect. We will. And then our podcast is Circle Back. And I will say, if anyone cares anything about entrepreneurship, it is worth the listen, whether it's to Cordia Harrington, whether it's to Daryl Freeman, whether it's to Brian Fox, you're talking, I mean, these stories, and, and I love that we're able to capture our history and I hope in 50 years, people will still listen because you can learn something from every one of these entrepreneurs who are willing to share their story and let us capture it. I am so glad yeah. you said that because that was one thing I did want to talk about was mm-hmm. the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I know I was trying to wrap up, but not just yet. Uh-huh. And um, Because y'all are, you're two seasons in we are. as well. This we is are. Heather's and mine's second oh, season fabulous. too. And I could not, I can't wait to go listen to all these folks who I know, you know, or know of anyways. Well, I mean, I mean, I think Phil Bredesen was our first. Okay. And when I was growing up in Nashville as a lawyer, he was the successful entrepreneur who had turned to giving back through public service. And I just thought, I can't believe we don't have his entrepreneurial story captured. And so, and then, you know, and then we have Dan Crockett and Cordia Harrington and and Clint Smith. And, and I mean, again, these people that, again, just fly some under the radar, some right out in front of the radar, but just listening to their true story. Mm-hmm. And so it's a narrative format. And so we, you know, really take special care that we are capturing their story for their grandchildren Mm. and then hopefully for entrepreneurs 50 to 100 years from now that want to know what was Nashville like and why did people choose to start a business in Nashville and so it really has been we had Lucius Birch which most people don't realize he funded so many entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and women entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. before it was cool Mm -hmm. and so again it's just really I mean, I love it. Yeah. I just absolutely love it. So I listen and I just, I continuously learn. Well, I know our listeners can feel your energy. We were talking about videoing this, uh, a podcast. And I'm yeah. like, your energy is so amazing. Oh, I mean, I, I just love it. This has been really, really fun. And I'm sure when you go down to the EC, that energy is 
everywhere. It's everywhere. Because it's such an exciting thing mm-hmm. to be doing. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely. So much. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great day. The Wilson Group Real Estate Services is one of Nashville's top premier boutique real estate firms. We specialize in working with buyers and sellers for housing, investment, and commercial needs, as well as offering a full-service property management division for your investments. Check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com. Hey, if you're loving the show, go find that little follow button on your podcast app. This will ensure you won't miss a single episode. Until next time.